It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue a look back at the great heartbreaks in Toronto Raptors history. And this one, it stings a lot. It's the 2018 first round against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game one in particular, the missed tap-ins, the Fred Van Vliet miss as well. All of it wrapped up into one very depressing bundle. We'll dig into it and talk about what would have happened had the Raptors actually won that series they were favored in going into it against the Cavs. And we'll do so with Freddie Rivas of the Confederacy of Dunks podcast, who is also ready to get hurt again. We will do that all in today's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1228 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, August the 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On The House. You can also go to YouTube and support the show over there, which is much appreciated when you take the time to support the show. It's free, takes no time at all, and really, really helps helps out the show and helps it grow and makes me feel good. So thank you in advance and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, we are digging into one of the great Raptors heartbreaks of recent memory and frankly of all Raptors history. It's the 2018 second round against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game one, game three, all the buildup, all the anticipation of the Raptors finally getting over the hump and beating LeBron James ended quickly and summarily by one LeBron James. And joining me today is Freddie Rivas from the Confederacy of Dunks podcast from the Pickup WNBA podcast. Freddie, are you ready to get sad? I'm ready to get sad. I'm already sad. <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks for having me, dude. This, so, this is going to be rough. It is going to be rough, but uh, I think it will end on a bit of an optimistic, perhaps uh, retconning in a good favor kind of note. We'll get to that at the end, but we're okay. going to kind of go through the ups and downs of the season that led to this series. We're going to dig into where things went wrong in the series itself. And uh, again, sort of imagine what would have happened had the Raptors actually pulled this thing out. Before we do all that, though, we got to play the song. LeBron is like a tidal wave, spinning over my head. A dozen put-back misses and a brick by Fred. In order to become winners, had to trade beloved Double D. First round sweep by the Wizards, after Paul Pierce blocked Kyle Lowry. You're a heartbreaker. 
dream shaker Dwayne Casey, don't you mess around with me You're a heartbreaker Vince Trader Boggs Taker, don't you mess around Colangelo Sorry uh <laughs> That was the best I've ever heard <laughs> I was I'm not ready for that at all <laughs> I think the element of surprise works with something that horrible sounding. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, dive on in to the Raptors' loss in the second round to the Cavaliers. Their third straight playoff loss, second straight sweep at the hands of the Cavs in 2018. We'll get to what happened in Game 1 in the next segment, but we should probably talk about the lead-up to this series to, to begin off here, because I think... One of the things that really was the gut punch about losing to the Cavs in the second round that year was the fact that it felt like the Raptors were just clear, obvious favorites. This Cavs team was bunk. They were not very good. Was this the year they didn't have Kyrie? Like, Kyrie was no longer on the team this season. He had just been traded to the Celtics. And it just really felt like the Raptors were going to pull it off this season. The Cavs were the second worst defense in the NBA. 111.1 possessions allowed. Their offense was number five in the league. The Raptors had the number two offense in the league. The number five defense. They were the second best net rating team after the Rockets, the team that almost beat the Warriors in the playoffs it was uh like such a clear disparity between the Raptors and Cavs in the regular season we saw it play out in games between the two including the national TV game where the Raptors won like 133.99 and the bench mob and Fred Van Vliet just ruined the Cavs all of this buildup and yet Freddie it didn't quite end up the way we all hoped it might where were you at, optimism-wise, based on the season that led to it, where they won 59 games, where the class of the Eastern Conference, just steamrolling teams all the way through? Did you feel like the Raptors were going to win this series as it began going into the second round? I, I certainly did, to to the point where, you know, I had friends that were saying, like, you know, wanting to avoid LeBron. And I'm <laughs> like, no, you, you can't avoid LeBron. Like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is it. We got to, like, just, like, tackle him you know, get like, get over our demons sort of thing. And like, we can mm-hmm. do this. You know, I, I think it's our uh, highest win team. It's the only team that finished first in the conference, 59 yep. wins. We were just overflowing with good talent, like all of the pound the rock stuff. And, you know, I think this was probably year one uh, where, you know, I guess nurse as an assistant coach sort of spearheaded the culture, the change. culture reset, baby, culture, the culture reset, reset. <laughs> um, I mean, it was a great year. Like we were just ecstatic and, and, and I think like so solid, like we were a mm-hmm. team that looked like we, you know, I don't think it looked like we could beat the war, the warriors, but like, <clears throat> it was like us, Houston, the Warriors, the Celtics were really good that year. We It seemed like we were going to the finals. And I feel mm-hmm. like we just had to beat the Cavs. And like you said, Kyrie wasn't on the team. You know, they had like Clarkson and George Hill and, and J.R. Smith. And they had some talent on the team for sure. But they had never coalesced. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, this was still around the time when, um, you know, people kind of like poo-pooed how good of a coach Tyron Lou was yeah. like it's he's he still hadn't gotten the respect of the league so I think this was this thing where it was like okay we and and, and it, I think the Pacers with Nate McMillan took this Cavs team to seven 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think it was seven games, right? So <laughs> they so, looked terrible in that series. They, they did like they a superhuman LeBron in game seven to win it. It was, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, CJ Miles, and we just seemed like we had we had too much talent to lose, like, you know, DeLon Wright. And uh, it, it was crazy. Like year one of OG and Siakam and, and you know, Yakin skills and, and, Fred sort of like got like he he started that playoffs a little bit unhealthy, but then like yeah, because Bam like Adebayo was... crunched him in the uh, final game of the season as they were going for sixty wins. Right. Uh, yes. Yes. And then, you know, yeah, everything seemed primed, and it, it definitely was. I mean, yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to it, but I feel like it makes sense that big changes happened after this series because. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, there was nothing left. Like we had exhausted everything and just seemed like we were going to win and we had to win and and we got swept. Yeah, the idea of trying to like dodge the Cavs in the playoffs, I mean, you were going to have to play them at some point, you thought, right? And yeah. it did feel like if they aren't going to do it now, it doesn't really matter what round it comes in. Like if they're not going to do it, they're just never going to do it because this Cavs team was so ripe to be demolished, right? Like they, other than LeBron, were just not really a coherent basketball team. Again, their defense was 29th in the league. 29th, Freddie. Teams like yeah. with that kind of defense never, ever do anything in the postseason. Like that's yeah. just not how it works. I think it speaks to how incredible LeBron is that they actually did make the finals that year. Yeah, they got swept by the Warriors, but you still had the, one, the game one where LeBron goes for 50 plus and it's just sort of like, this guy is unstoppable. It's unbelievable. But even with the sort of mystique of LeBron, this Cavs team seems so beatable that it really did feel going in. Like, how do they not win this series? They have been the better team all season long. They went to six with the Wizards, but it never really felt like they were out of control of that series at any point. I think they won a game one, which was like a whole new thing, right? And, yep. you know, we saw, you know, the you know, the emergence of like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi as these defensive aces. You can maybe throw on LeBron and, and you have options and availability. And it just, it did seem like it was coalescing towards a win. And I will say, this is the season that broke me when it comes to ever believing regular season net rating as a predictor of postseason success ever again. I will not fall for that trap one more time. What's the George Bush thing? Fool, fool me once, something, something, fool me yeah. twice, well, I'm a, I'm a fool, or whatever the hell. Yeah. Wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. I I just refuse to like buy into regular season net rating as a determining factor of how good a team is now because that Raptors team was so much better than the Cavs by every single metric, by the head-to-head battles, by everything, and it still just did not matter. And for me, that's like an irreparable bit of damage I've carried with me. There will surely be a team with an unstoppable net rating that I'm a little bit dubious of in a regular season that goes on and goes 16-0 to win a title and prove me wrong that net rating actually can be predictive of playoff success, but Mm -hmm. I I will just be late to the party on that one because that Raptors team broke me, and I I care about that stat so much less now. It's kind of crazy. We're going to get in next to what happened in game number one, and probably game number three, if we're not too weepy by the time we're done talking about game number one, 
coming up in just one second. But first, do want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and get all the information you need to make an informed wager on said favorite sports. You can find reviews, injury reports, news updates on every single league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all there for you, and you can make yourself the informed wagerer once again. You're not just indiscriminately dropping money on bets that you have no idea what you're even betting on or what the odds are, why the odds are the way they are. That's kind of the Sean Woodley school of gambling. I'm not very good at it. There's a reason I don't do it very often, but when I do, I should probably take myself to bet online and get all the wonderful resources they have on hand to make it so I'm not just tossing money away willy-nilly for the interest of a thrill and a rush. Head to bet online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Everything that's happening today before you bet, bet online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Looking back. At game one now of the 2018 yep. second round against the Cavaliers. Do we have to talk about this? May 1st, 2018. Let's pull up the box score, shall we? It, it's rough stuff. The Raptors lose this game 113-112 in overtime. They go into the fourth quarter with a slight lead. They blow that. They have an opportunity at the end of the game to win the game. A DeMar miss leads to about a dozen potential putbacks by Jonas Valanciunas. That leads to nowhere good. LeBron doesn't even have a good shooting game in this one. 12 of 30, 1 of 8 from 3, but he hits some big-time shots late. He also has 13 assists and 11 boards, a huge triple-double. Um, you know, this just, it's a totally maddening situation. you got Jeff Green coming off the bench to go 4 for 4. <sighs> this busted Cavs team somehow pulls it out. What were your recollections of Game 1? Of that series, Freddie, how did you feel at the end as, as Jonas misses all those tip-ins to go to overtime and then Fred misses the three right at the end of the game that potentially could have sealed the victory? Like, there's a lot wrapped up in this one, man. Just kind of take me through your emotions of the day. Yeah, you know, there, there's so many issues with, I feel like, you know, you, you were talking earlier about, like, trying to project forward for a team. And this to me is a perfect example of uh, the playoffs being a bit of a different ball game and, and mm-hmm. matchups mattering. And mm-hmm. this first game, I feel like it counted for three games because the the Raptors' mental edge immediately disappeared after the loss. Mm-hmm. And I think the Cavs' mental edge sort of just like grew. And yeah. You know, uh, going all the way to the finals like that, I I think this was the year where the J.R. Smith debacle happened in game one. And, you know, the Cavs (laughs) almost had the reverse of what we had, right? Like their mental edge totally, I don't think they had a mental edge, but like, you know, whatever chance they might have had just sort of of disintegrated. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I think, yeah, the amount of disrespect in this game just really can't be overstated. I, I rewatched like you know the nine minute YouTube highlight and and I forgot about like LeBron James just pushing Fred. 
Yep. So yep. he just pushed Fred. <laughs> like that that was the thing where I was like, what? Um the amount of times that LeBron hit like I know he didn't shoot that well, but he just hit daggers over OG. Oh yeah. Dag daggers. And you know, he daggers with was... the Raptors leading by like a couple possessions in the final yeah. minute, too. Like just huge, huge game shifting shots. And it, it was so disappointing too, because I feel like the, you know, sort of like whatever the Raptors version of like Kumbaya, Kerr, or like Dwayne Casey, you know, like everyone counts sort of thing. We did see a lot of elements of that in this. Like every mm-hmm. player had a decent moment, you know, mm-hmm. from Siakam to OG to Fred to DeLon, you know, m- maybe not good perfect. Kyle and DeMar games too. Great good, Kyle good and games DeMar from games. Them. Yeah. Like really determined play. Like, you know, I think if, you know, if you look at, like game four of the series of DeRozan getting benched, it's sort of like the the arc of that is just it's just mm-hmm. intense, and mm-hmm. um, it, it was just we were just totally defeated, and I think you can see it in the overtime. By the time we went to overtime, the Cavs were were confident they had forgotten about the regular season they had and their poor defense, and they just yeah, it's, it seems like a sports cliche, but they had the Raptors number and. Yep. You know, that's obviously the beginning of the Lebronto, you know, memes and that kind of stuff. And it just was, it was just demoralizing all around. Yeah. This, you know, I mentioned how this season kind of broke me into viewing net rating as anything that matters and no longer will that be the case. This also, like, I think it was a pretty formative experience for how I've come to like view basketball. In like around this time, I was very much like, well, the numbers are going to tell us what's going to happen kind of person. Yes. And I really did not buy into the idea that like the Cavs had like a mental up on the Raptors, right? Like yeah. I just thought like, okay, that's like a pretty kind of messed up thing to say that like the Raptors are like mentally weak or something like that. Like obviously they're a very good basketball team who have just run into maybe the best player of all time. And that just happens sometimes. But this game in particular, game one, kind of really made me shift and think, maybe there is something up between the ears with this team that they just can't overcome. And I think that kind of bore out because the rest of the series, Dwayne Casey kept on talking about, man, if only we got game one, if only we got game one throughout the entirety of the series until the end of game four in the post game after game four they were still thinking about game one which was just so like obviously a tell that oh yeah our brains are completely broken by lebron and we can't do anything about this and that has made me sort of now kind of factor in the mental element of stuff when it comes to teams totally. now that have similar issues getting over the hump like the jazz for example or we'll see with the clippers what they are when they're fully healthy will they get you to know, a playoff phoenix, situation right? phoenix the sixers like all of this stuff i actually think the sort of mental toll of can you actually get over this hump is a thing to be considered now when evaluating sure. like series going in it's not just do the numbers suggest team a is better than team b and and like, it's it just, it, it became undeniable to me after that game and throughout the rest of the series. When I, I mean, Dwayne Casey would have done like eight press conferences pre and post game throughout the series. He mentioned, if only we had won game one in like every single one of them. And I felt like I was losing my mind, Freddie. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like of, of a lot of Raptors fans, I still hold, uh, you know, a ton of respect for Dwayne Casey. Like, I, th- I thought he was. 
you know, he was a great coach and you know, I think the adjustment thing is real, but I also feel like he, he built up, you know, this franchise along with Masai and DeRozan and, and Lowry. But at the same time, he was broken by LeBron James. And I think the mental edge is very real. And, you know, I, I'm with you on like, you know, enjoying the analytics and enjoying the, 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 the stats as sort of it's this predictive thing, but also at the same time, there's this, there's this kind of like, I don't know, this liminal space or this, this in-between area of, of what's going on, uh, you know, in someone's head. And I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, what watching that game again to the highlights anyways, just seeing like how, how just intense the fans were for every made mm-hmm. bucket and how much we were hanging on every of missed shot and the Cavs sort of trailing for most of the game. There was kind of like this inevitability and the mental mm-hmm. toughness that I think we saw even the next year was, was, was not there. And, you know, mm-hmm. we needed, we, we, we didn't just need to win. We needed like every little victory along the yeah. way. And, and the Cavs didn't, the Cavs had this belief in themselves or, or, or LeBron uh, that sort of was just more, more substantial. And, you know, I, I think to your point about uh, other teams around the league, that mental, you know, edge is, is very much a factor. And uh, as mm-hmm. much as we love analytics and, you know, sort of trying to reduce basketball down to this, you know, possession by possession game and, you know, open shots versus not open shots, whatever. I do think that it's five people on the court that need to work together. And mm-hmm. there's this sort of, you know, this this camaraderie, this chemistry, this kind of intangible stuff that, that mm-hmm. really, really counts. And and the Raptors were 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 beaten up. And they they I think there was no rallying. Like they were sort of, for lack of a better word, intimidated by LeBron's greatness. Yeah, and look, fair enough. LeBron's pretty amazing. And like this, I think, is kind of the similar feeling I'm sure a lot of teams felt with Michael Jordan, right? And like the inevitability of yes. Michael Jordan. It, it has to creep in at some point. And, of course, this was not the only game where the Raptors suffered the wrath of LeBron James in that series. Yeah. You know, game two was a wash. Game three, however, was kind of hopeful for a second there. We're going to get to that and then sort of examine some alternate history how the Raptors actually pulled this series out coming up after the break. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Locked On Blue Jays who are covering the Jays every single day throughout the offseason. The trade deadline is now passed. We're, this is airing on August the 5th. I'm sure the Blue Jays have Juan Soto batting cleanup today. It's very exciting. Go and listen to Ben and Matt over on that show breaking down the Jays every single day on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, Freddie, let's get into game three, shall we? I, I kind of want to just sort of get the where were you? Do you remember what you were doing type of give me the lay of the land. Where did you watch game three? What were you doing during game three? How did your mood change as the game went along? They were down, I think, like 14, I want to say, at halftime. And 55-41 rings a bell in my brain, 54-40. I don't know why my brain's dumb. I remember stupid things like that. And it really felt like, okay, this is toast. And the second half comes around, and they actually start putting some stuff together with Pascal Siakam and OG and Serge Ibaka having a renaissance and DeMar getting benched, I think, for a long stretch of that game as well. Uh, yeah. And Kyle obviously doing Kyle-related things. Um Game three, sort of give me the where were you, what were you doing, how do you remember it all playing out? I'm not sure if I could pinpoint exactly where I was, but you know, based on that time in my life, I was probably at Hurricanes. Uh, like Hell Florida. yeah! You know, I, I watched a lot of where games I watched Hurricanes. the championship run. I should say that's where I watched all of the championship, like the last four games of the uh, of the finals. Love it's games. it's a good Shut, really pizza rolls. We love pizza rolls. Oh yes. Oh my god. It's a <laughs> it's a really underrated sports bar. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, and it survived bar. COVID, which I was worried about, but it survived. I know. Yeah, I, I had I had I had wings there. There's there's uh, smoked wings, by the way, uh, now. So if you want, they got check smoked out... now in addition yeah. to the grilled. Oh my uh, goodness! Yes. I got We gotta we gotta make a pilgrimage. Uh, yeah, we I'm do. In Hamilton um, now, but I gotta get back there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Shout out Hurricanes, but. I just, I think I remember being sort of, you know, I guess, I guess similar enough to, to Dwayne Casey. Like, I feel like I was defeated by game one. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that game was obviously like the, the backbreaker because, you know, OG, his rookie season was so incredible. Uh, you know, if I remember correctly, before LeBron's incredible bank shot game winner, where you know you have the infamous moment where you know Masai yelled at Casey in the tunnel there, yeah. Um, I think you know uh, OG hit a big. I think it was a big three. Uh, I think yeah, OG a massive had, three, a huge, yeah, huge, like, massive three. It was incredible, <laughs> and it was so clutch. You know, foreshadowing to like uh, you know OG's future, right? Like he just mm -hmm. he was ready for the moment and. I mean, well, just what a monumental task for a guy like OG having to guard LeBron. In, in you know his first season in a, in a playoff round my goodness but um yeah just probably at hurricanes and probably you know drunker than i should have been and i, I would say despondent <laughs> after that game like i, I, like I was pretty yeah. yeah pretty destroyed I was despondent at halftime, just thinking, well, it's Viking funeral time. We're just going to watch this thing play out. And I, in fact, turned the volume off the TV. I fired up my record player. I put on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. There's, a little, there's some sadness in that album. Uh, you yeah. know, there's some upbeat stuff, too, but there's some good sadness, some good uh, ballads, some good stuff to get you in your feelings on that album. I poured myself a 12% barrel-aged stout. And I sat wow. there sipping this like rocket fuel tar of a beer while listening to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, watching the game on mute. And then as things kind of percolated as the game went along, I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. Maybe they're going to come back. Like they're obviously the better team, like from the regular season, right? I got tricked again, Freddie, yeah, thinking like yeah. third quarter, oh, they're going to win this game. They're going to pull this out. And then it's going to be like a miraculous, incredible comeback. They win the third quarter by just a point, and then they win the fourth 38 26. And yeah, it, it, you know, that OG three with like eight seconds left felt real good. And then 
LeBron does the thing. The Raptors don't double team him. I don't even really feel like relitigating that all over again. It felt, you know, that moment, it's really difficult to properly defend LeBron James. And sometimes he's going to make an unbelievable off-balance, off-glass runner, and there's nothing your defense can do about it. I'm sorry. I don't look at the defense as being the thing that was the cause there. The cause there is that LeBron James is maybe the greatest player of, greatest player of all time, and that's just yeah. how it goes. Um, so... While I understand why there was like a lot of consternation with Dwayne Casey, and I understand why Masai screamed at Dwayne Casey in the locker room afterwards, I also don't think that was like the determining factor here. It was preordained that something horrible was going to befall the Raptors in this game, uh, whether it was at the end of regulation with the bank shot or whether it was in overtime as it with it tied 103-103. Like, as much as I got duped into thinking, okay, this is back and alive, baby, it, it really was so fraught to think that at any, any time. It was just foolish. And so I... Like when that shot went in, like, did you remember your reaction when the shot went in? I just sort of like slunk into my chair. I was like, "Yep, that was happening all along." And I, like, you can't even hurt me anymore. I'm broken. I, I'm just steeled to this crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember being really upset because I feel like I've always been a, uh, I, I've always enjoyed watching LeBron play, but I, yeah. I've never enjoyed watching him play against the Raptors. It's just, yeah. it's devastating, and it, it felt like. Yeah, like like more than a gut punch. It felt like you were just getting like choked out, sort of thing. It was it was <laughs> rough. It was totally it it wasn't cool. And then also, I feel like there was this you know narrative that was forming that like the Raptors are just these 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 like unclutch like losers, yeah. and it's sort yeah. of. I think it took away from how good DeRozan was. It took away from how good Casey was. It really took away from how good that team was. Yeah. But that to me kind of goes back to the whole matchup thing where, you know, you, you were saying it, it felt preordained and and I think it really did. Like there, there was this element of sort of just bleakness that, yeah. you know, like I, I remember arguing, you know, from, from a conjecture standpoint with friends that uh, you know the Raptors were still a good team, even though the Celtics and the Pacers took the Cavs to seven but I, mm -hmm. I didn't really have any numbers based argument it was just a feeling no. yeah and it, it it feels like a loser thing to say that you know not all sweeps are made equal but mm -hmm. I, I mean i feel like that series to me was closer than the the gate than the conference finals where we we took the Cavs to six yeah. like it, it it felt like we were more in that game in that series but yeah. obviously, you know, we got swept and you just kind of kind of got to take the L and things yeah. happened after that. So you want to talk about loser mentality. I After that happened, I was like, let's run it back again. What else are we going to do? Run it back, baby. Let's do it. Me too. I, like, yeah, I, I literally we said on good. this podcast two weeks before they got Kawhi Leonard. They're not getting Kawhi Leonard. So just run it back. Uh, and then, of course, they went and got Kawhi Leonard, which leads me to the sort of alternate history of it all here, Freddie. Yeah. My question to you is, if the Raptors actually do what they were expected to do and win that series against that busted Cavs team, make the conference final, get over the LeBron hump, whether they make the finals or not, that was the hurdle to clear. Do you think the Raptors win the 2019 NBA championship if they win that series? So, like, are you saying, like, in that next they, year? They win, win that the series? The hmm. alternate history timeline after winning that series, maybe you lose to Boston in seven or something like that, or you get waxed by the Warriors in the finals. Yeah. 
Do they go on to win an NBA title, period, in the intervening time since then? That's a great what if. You know, I feel like I'm going to say no because I think because yeah, they're not going to trade for Kawhi. Exactly. They don't win and the title. They win the title because they got waxed in this series, I think. I think so. And and we were so good, but what we added was, you know, we traded in some of that depth for just supreme talent. Mm-hmm. And we also had this, you know, we were talking about it before, but like this sort of mental edge. And Kawhi brings in this guy, you know, we bring in this guy Kawhi who's sort of like beyond being one of the best players alive and having like a Michael Jordan style, you know, playoff run. He also, he also kind of had this, you know, this stoicness. And and then you, you have a guy like Danny Green. Mm-hmm. Like that trade is still, I think people still evalu- evaluate it in the wrong way. Like not only did we make an incredible trade, mm-hmm. but we, we traded for like exactly the things we needed. Yeah. And we traded our superfluous parts. And I, I even think that's true of the JV Gasol, uh, DeLon Miles trade mm-hmm. later in the season. Mm-hmm. We 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 sort of we we got more of what we needed and got less redundant. Yeah, and yeah, I think you're totally right because I feel like Masai was, yeah, like you know everyone on the team was broken. Casey was broken, but Masai was angry, and mm-hmm. and and his response was was to make sure that we win a championship no matter what. And I think that's yeah. what he set out to do when he did. Totally. Yeah. So what we're saying here is that it's actually good that this happened because it led to the the best thing ever. It led to me watching the Raptors win the title at Beloved Hurricanes. Uh, yeah. Look, is this rationalization after the fact? Hindsight's 2020, blah, 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 blah. Maybe. Uh, making myself feel better about a sure. very, very sad Raptors sure. heartbreak. But I think more than any of the ones we've talked about, and all of them are informative, right? All of the ones where the Raptors do something that breaks your heart are informative of something that's to come at some point, right? Whether it's the bubble in Boston where they lose and it's awful and, you know, Pascal has to kind of go through this rediscovery of who he is to become the player he is now. It's all part of the, you know, the trials and tribulations of being a fan of a team. But I think maybe more than anything, anyone else, like this one low was like, kind of maybe a blessing in disguise because it gave the front office the kind of kick in the ass it needed to make a drastic change. Even if I wasn't calling for a drastic change, clearly the front office viewed things differently and they don't go trade for Kawhi Leonard if they make the finals this this season as they were kind of expected to with the season they had. And they don't win a title without Kawhi Leonard. We don't get the shot without that. And so thank you, Daddy LeBron, for everything you've done to inform the championship that came just one year after this horrible, horrible heartbreak, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, more reverence for LeBron James is not how I thought this podcast was going to go, but that's kind of where I am right now. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Dad. We are both witnesses to your greatness. We also watch, uh, you know, we also watch the Barbershop show. We love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for leaving the conference the following season as well. So we didn't have to go through all of that. And, and you know, uh, potential, he really did you know, clear the way for us. I really feel like he beautiful. was like, listen, uh, I'm going to go to the Lakers. It's going to be weird. I'm going to have my first nagging injury. And you guys, it's it's your turn to win. And, you, and you're going to yeah. run into a he Warrior He was throwing center. a bone. Yeah, he was. He did. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, although sorry, I'll just add the last point too. I feel like yeah, it's not talked about a lot that OG was starting 
in that mm-hmm. series. And we really have reevaluated so much that, um, you know, when Kawhi came, Siakam sort of like took that starter spot. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we, we really reexamined like everything about that team. 100%. Uh, with that, Freddie, I feel like that's a good place to leave this off. I feel a lot better than I actually expected to talking about this, considering all of the good it led to, despite it being really, really, really awful in the moment. Uh, before we get out of here, anything you'd like to promote for the good people out there? Yeah, check out uh, check out my podcast on Raptors Republic uh, uh, at Confederacy of Dunks or at Dunks Podcast. And I also do a WNBA podcast, uh, The Pickup, uh, at uh, WNBA The Pickup on Twitter. And, you know, Sean, thanks for having me, man. I love, love doing course, the show. Man. Always a pleasure to have you and always a pleasure to have the listeners tuning in as well. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week as we drop a three-part mailbag episode with Katie Heindel digging into all sorts of juicy, juicy questions. And the week after that, we have a few more heartbreaks to get into as well. We're going to talk about the 2001 playoffs and where things went wrong against the Sixers in Game 7. We're also going to dig into a few other fun ones as well that we've yet to determine before recording here in the late parts of July. But we got some heartbreaks on tap, which is great. And uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. And go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NBA as they are covering the league wonderfully each and every day. All the big stories being examined. Maybe a trade has happened. Again, we're recording this weeks in advance. Perhaps a trade has already gone down. And we're sitting here talking about Kevin Durant on the uh, Washington Wizards or something like that. And they'll have you covered on Locked on NBA. Thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.